From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis and the Mississippi Delta for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide, major funding for Beale Street Caravan is provided by the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau and the AutoZone Corporation. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. This week on Beale Street Caravan, we're on the banks of the mighty Mississippi in Greenville, Mississippi, for a show from Southern Soul Revivalist St. Paul and the Broken Bones. Beale Street Caravan contributor Dr. Barbara Ching will join us to explore the relationship between blues and country music. That's all coming up right now on Beale Street Caravan. We're back, Pat. Hey, Kevin. And we've got St. Paul and the Broken Bones with us this week. And we're not messing around. No, ma'am. One of the best live acts I've seen in my short time here on Earth. Always a pleasure to have the guys back on the program. 2014's Half the City debuted the band to the world. Masterfully crafted around Paul Janeway's pleading vocals, the band evoked Otis Redding and Sam and Dave. They proved themselves standard bearers in the world searching for the soulful sounds of yesterday. The follow-up record, 2016's Sea of Noise, took things a step further as the group distanced itself from the Soul Review party band territory and took on social themes and widened their soundscape with edgier and more explorative musical arrangements. We caught up with the band at the Mighty Mississippi Music Festival deep in the heart of the Mississippi Delta in Greenville, Mississippi. The band was on stage high up on the banks overlooking the river. Here's St. Paul and the Broken Bones live on Bill Street Caravan. We just crumble in light pearls. We just crumble in light pearls. In a sea of In a sea of no we just crumble in light pearls. We just crumble in I'll see you.
Here's more from St. Paul and the Broken Bones, live on Bill Street Caravan.
thank you very much. Thank you. St. Paul and the Broken Bones live on Beale Street Caravan. We'll be right back with more music. It's time now for our feature host series, and this week we are introducing you to a new feature host. Scholar and author Barbara Ching is a professor at the University of Memphis, and she specializes in cultural studies. 
Her latest book is called Wrongs What I Do Best, Hard Country Music and Contemporary Culture. Barbara begins a new series that's 10 parts and explores the relationship between the blues and country music. Here she is, Barbara Ching. Whether we're hearing country music's legendary three chords and the truth, or the truth in 12 bars, we're listening to American roots music that's grown out of a lot of shared territory, particularly the American South. While white Southerners were spared the experience of slavery and its aftermath, they played a lot of music with their African-American neighbors. DeFord Bailey, an African-American harmonica player, gave the Grand Ole Opry its name on December 10, 1927, when he opened the show, then called WSM Barn Dance, with the Pan American Blues. program right before it, the NBC Musical Appreciation Hour, ended with a modern composition that supposedly sounded like a speeding train. Barn Dance host George Hay greeted his audience by announcing that, for the past hour, we have been listening to music taken largely from the Grand Opera, but from now on, we will present the Grand Ole Opry. Born in Rome, Tennessee in 1899, DeFord Bailey later toured with Roy Acuff and Bill Monroe in the 1930s, and Acuff considered Bailey the headline act. Many of early country music's biggest stars formed partnerships like this. Carter family founder A.P. roamed the Appalachians searching for songs to perform with Leslie Riddle, an African-American guitarist. One of Bill Monroe's favorite musicians, Arnold Schultz, was an African-American fiddler who played at dances in Monroe's hometown, Rosine, Kentucky. Hank Williams learned to play guitar from a blues man named T-Tot, who played on the streets of Montgomery, Alabama. Charlie Rich learned to play piano from C.J., a sharecropper in West Arkansas. You can hear plenty of straight-ahead blues structures in the country vaults, but even in a major key ballad, the lyrics and the voices tell about living through hard times. You hear it in the hollering singing style of bluegrass. You hear it in the choking back tears high range of George Jones and the many singers influenced by him. And you hear it in the stoic voices of the Carter family and Lucinda Williams. Today, I'll be talking about how country got separated from the blues at its birth in the recording studio. One of country music's first recording sessions, and definitely its most famous recording session, took place in 1927 in Bristol, Tennessee, when talent scout Ralph Peer discovered both Jimmy Rogers and the Carter family. Peer had already had a lot of success recording blues singers like Mamie Smith for Oka Records, and these records, called Race Records, were marketed specifically to African Americans. 
Peer went to Bristol in hopes of establishing a new category called Old Time Melodies of the Sunny South to sell to Southern whites. That category ended up with the far less flattering name Hillbilly. And the categories were never completely distinct either. DeFord Bailey's recordings, for example, were marketed in both. And the rising stars that Peer turned up that day both had plenty of blues in their repertoire. In Coal Miner's Blues, for example, Sarah Carter sings about being black and blue. Blues and more blues, it's a coal black blues. Blues and more blues, it's a coal black blues. Got coal in my hair, got coal in my shoes. At the time, Rogers was a much bigger seller for Pierre, who called his high wailing singing style a blue yodel. Three years later in Hollywood, Pierre recorded Blue Yodel Number no. 9, with Jimmy Rogers singing, Louis Armstrong on the trumpet, and Lillian Armstrong playing the piano. Neither Rogers nor Armstrong's biographers have been able to figure out why they recorded this number together, although all of these musicians worked with Ralph Pierre. Maybe Pierre was looking to cross over some of the lines he had drawn. Standing on the corner, I didn't mean no harm. Along come a police, he took me. It was down in Memphis, corner of Beale and Maine. He says, big boy, you'll have to tell me your name. I said, you'll find my name on the tail of my shirt. I'm a Tennessee hustler, I don't have to wait. Listen all you round us, you better leave my women alone. Many blues and country singers after that would cross the line, or at least shout at it. You'll be hearing from them in my next segment. We want to remind our listeners you can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Look us up and join in on the fun. For more information, or if you want to get involved, go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com. Shoot us an email or sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can also keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast. It's available through iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and just about anywhere podcasts can be found. Speaking of podcasts, check out our newest production, the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, also available through iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn. We have to take a quick break for local announcements, but stick around. There's more music to come. You're listening to The Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan.
AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and many other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back, and for those of you just tuning in, this week on Bill Street Caravan, we have St. Paul and the Broken Bones. We're at the Mighty Mississippi Music Fest in Greenville, Mississippi. It's a part of Bridging the Blues, a month-long celebration of Delta music and culture that takes place every fall. I had the chance to sit down with Paul Janeway right before the performance you're listening to. Let's hear what he had to say. Paul, welcome back to Bill Street Caravan. It's good to be back. Thank you for having me back. So, it's been about a year since we've had you on the show, and you guys have been really busy. Um, yeah, well, I mean, in that time, we released a new record, and in, in, uh, it was September of 2016, and then um, been hitting the road, just been touring, just busy, just working, and then about to take some time off here in a couple days, and then start the next record. <laughs> it's been your live show that has gotten people excited about the band, and in a world where people don't buy records as much, has that fan base translated to record sales? Um, I think so. The problem is, though, even with when we debuted in 2014 to when we did our second record in 2016, that transition between people streaming and, and buying records it changed even within those two years. And you could tell there, there's not a lot, you know, if we take streams out of it, there's not a lot of million record sellers anymore. So you have to adjust to that. You have to adjust to the changing times. I mean, we've done well. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But everybody's trying to get creative and how to figure all this out. But we're going to change the way we do things. Yeah. Instead of being so reactionary, be proactive. We're hoping to keep people interested throughout the record cycle. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm excited about. You've got a big band. How does everybody have some creative input? So the, the way it kind of works, you know, we use Dropbox or a, or like a cloud, and everybody puts stuff in there. And it's taken me time to navigate this as kind of the quote leader of the pack to navigate this because I don't I don't think I'm the smartest guy in the room. You should surround yourself with great musicians and like listen to them. But it's been good. I think this time it's been great. I haven't heard anybody complain or have any bad comments, so I'm. I'm just, I guess I'm kind of curating, I guess, in a weird way. You say you've learned a lot about yourself. What's been your biggest sort of shocker? I think what surprised me most about myself and all this is kind of learning the business side of this and figuring out, like, like being kind of attracted to that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Which is weird. I don't think, because a lot of musician friends I have or people that we've encountered, the business part, they just go, I don't. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Yeah. And um, I don't, it doesn't scare me in the same way. Like music to me is this artistic form that we get to do and then the music happens and then you've got to talk about the business part. And I'm not afraid to talk about the business part because if you don't know your business, somebody's going to mess you up. To me, this is an artistry and getting up there on stage, writing songs is an art form but at the same time you got to talk about like what streaming's doing or what's publishing and all the, all of those kind of things and i feel like that's been a lot of fun i learned something new every day about this business and it's an interesting thing so does paul the entertainer what does he do to get inspired 
I don't want to give anybody a bad show. Yeah. I don't ever want anybody to, I don't care if there's five people or whatever. I don't ever want people to like watch us and go, man, they're phoning it in tonight. You know, because I think when people spend their hard-earned money to come see a show, they need to see a show. Yeah. Not me just, you know, sitting in a chair on stage or whatever, you know. So I think that kind of motivation to always like bring it. You guys are really good at engaging the audience to the point where they feel like they're in it together. Right. They're on this ride together. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for me, the idea is very communal. And no matter where we come from, what, what you know, you know, socioeconomic or ethnicity or, or sexuality, all of those things, we all kind of come together and you create this moment of like, oh, okay, this can happen. And I think that's the beauty of music. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it doesn't happen in a lot of places in, in, our, in, our, in our society. And I think music can do that. And I think that's important for me. I see it all. I mean, but I see it. I see it. You know, when I went to go see Prince, you, yeah. you saw that. You know what I mean? And it's like this communal experience. And it's like, I, I don't know. I think that's important to me because it gives me faith, <laughs> you know? And it is a very church background. Yeah. Or you want to get to that peak, that moment, and everyone feels like they're having this shared experience, and, and I get to be the conduit that goes through that. I think that's a beautiful thing, and I don't think you can put that into words exactly what it is. Another piece that often comes up is people with experience in gospel music in the church, they get up to make them feel good, to right. make them feel together, and to give them hope right. for something bigger. Right. And I think that, to me, that's our, that's that's the background. I, that's, I grew up singing in church. I just, I feel like that's my ultimate goal. I think 100%, that's it, is to, is to give that hope. And I know it's a bit idealistic at times, but it's like, you do all that you can, and then when you come to a show, you, you hopefully you have that communal experience, and and you do feel loved, and, and you have a little hope. I'm like, all right, man, kind of carries you through. And I think that's the power of music, and that's the power of, of, and I don't know if we do that, but I know that I've had that in my life where I listen to records or songs or music, and, and it makes me, it just makes me get through a hard time. You know what I mean? Like, I have, I have records like that, and that's important to me. Musically, between you guys, um, Alabama Shakes. What's going on in Birmingham? Uh, cheap rent, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably it. Um, coming from Alabama, it's hard to navigate because, you know, I'm a pretty liberal guy. And so being in that state, you kind of want to be like, no, 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 not everybody. Not everybody's Jeff Sessions? Yeah, exactly. Ouch. <laughs> or Roy Moore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and try to be a good ambassador and try to do the right thing and try to help those that, that maybe don't have the same opportunities that you do. Have you seen or or have people made comments to you with everything going on in the national conversation? Right. Does it just not come up? You know, I get asked, especially overseas, <laughs> when Trump got elected, it was just like, I was just like, we were in New York and it was just like there was a funeral. It was crazy. It's one of those things that you try. I don't make it a secret how I feel about yeah. those things, I, and I don't think you should. Um, I also, I'm not probably during a show going, going on a 20-minute political rant. Yeah. What's been bizarre is that when Trump was inaugurated, we were in Europe, and mm -hmm. so we weren't. We didn't. We didn't get it, and. And we didn't get to see it, in which I was really happy because I was like, oh, I can still pretend it's not happening. Yeah. 
it makes me sad and I keep trying to be like all right I'm gonna I gotta get through this and and figure out and just watch people's backs you know the good thing about being raised in Alabama and, and believing different I mean I'm a very liberal guy is you learn how to communicate with people but I think when you start getting into prejudice and things like that that's to me is not a political issue that's a human issue yeah. And I think that's where I start going, no, 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 no. When you start talking about someone's ethnicity or their or their sexuality, exactly. like, why that's politicized, I don't know. We need to have conversations. We need to talk about stuff. And, and I always want people to come from a place of love. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is, is that we're getting into some weird territory right now where it's like it's not coming from that. And you, you read what, like, Dr. King said, and you, you really talk about loving your enemy and I think people just kind of underestimate that statement yeah do you know what I mean and so trying to come from a place of love and acceptance it's hard I get so angry and so mad but I've been trying to navigate through that and I I think that's a good place to start yeah so for anyone who wants to find out more about the band what's the best place for them to go I mean we got a website you know (laughs) I don't know we have a Twitter and a Facebook, and if you can't find it, you don't know how to use Google. Well, we're going to go back with more music from St. Paul and the Broken Bones at the Mighty Mississippi Music Festival.
Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Greenville, Mississippi. Yeah. more from St. Paul and the Broken Bones live on Bill Street Caravan.
right here on the bass. Going. Do -do 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 -do. <laughs> All the way from Fernie, British Columbia. On the bass, Mr. Jesse Phillips. My main man right here. Y'all been liking the guitar tonight? No. All the way from Florence, Alabama, on guitar, Mr. Bro and Lolly. My main man back here, some of y'all can't see him, but he's very tall and very good looking. And a hell of a trombone player. All the way from Birmingham, Alabama on the trombone, Mr. Chad Fisher. Right here in the middle. That mustache says it all about, you got to know about this man. Everything's on that mustache. A lot of trumpet juice. <laughs> all the way from Jasper, Alabama on the trumpet, Mr. Rallin the Hammer Brandstetter. My main man last year on the horn section, on the saxophone, on the flute, on the na-na-na, all the way from New Orleans, Louisiana, Mr. Jason Mingledorf. And last but not least, on this golden drum set, keeping time, all the time, from Birmingham, Alabama, on the drums, Mr. Andrew Lee! But we ain't done with y'all yet! We got to take you up! We ain't done with y'all yet! We got to take you up! I said we ain't done with nobody! We got to take you up! All right, Green Mississippi, let's reach for the heavens! That was St. Paul and the Broken Bones, live on Beale Street Caravan. Special thanks to our community partners of Bridging the Blues and the Mighty Mississippi Music Fest, especially Wesley Smith and Steve Azar for bringing us back each year. 
To find out more about St. Paul and the Broken Bones, find them on social media or visit them at stpaulandthebrokenbones.com. Be sure to check out their tour dates. They may be coming to a venue near you soon. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, Arts Memphis, Tennessee Arts Commission, Tennessee Tourism, and Bridging the Blues for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. You can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Follow us there. We've always got special features and additional content that we think you'll enjoy. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available anywhere podcasts can be found. We'll be back next week, so see you then. I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. And you've been listening to the Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan.